if you're not aligning with the type, like don't just assume that it's because of your subtype. Make sure you're like doing the research and seeing if you're not just mistyping yourself. And so it might fit with the subtype, but it also might just be that you're mistyping. And so it's important to do the research because the Enneagram is a complex tool that people need to study and not just to take a test and figure out their type. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Rebel Heart Radio. We're so glad you're here, as we say every week, but we really mean it. This is a special intro. We have a fantastic episode ahead, but it feels almost wrong not to address what is going on. I think that these are such uncertain times. And as we all do our part to slow down the COVID-16 spread, Cassie and I really hope to continue this community of Rebel Heart Nation as a way to still connect with you all. I think humanizing our experience through digital connections is such an incredible feat we are so fortunate to have in these days. But I think overall, if you haven't binge listened by this point, you know what we're about. But needless to say, eat right, exercise, drink water, and treat yourself with some skincare every day. We love you guys, and we hope that you can still feel that connection every week here on Rebel Heart Radio. This week, we're so grateful to have Ashton on our podcast. You might know her as Enneagram Ashton. She is quite popular on the Instagrams, and we're just so grateful that she's here, that she can give us her knowledge specifically about subtypes, because I think that can get a little nuanced and confusing. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about Ashton. So Ashton Whitmoyer-Ober is a community psychologist and certified Enneagram coach. She received her bachelor's degree in psychology from East Carolina University and her master's in community psychology and social change from Pennsylvania State University. Although as an entrepreneur at heart, she opened her own business at the age of 22. You go, girl. She was featured in the book Know Your Value, involved in several MSNBC projects. And but since closing her retail business, Ashton worked in the sexual and relationship violence prevention field and has her own Enneagram and life coaching business called Enneagram Ashton. Ashton is a writer, public speaker, and advocate for the underdog. She lives in Pennsylvania with her husband and her rescue puppy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. I have my girl Ashton from Enneagram Ashton here today. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for making the time and being here. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be on here and to be talking to you today. So I'm excited to dive deep. Yeah, so today we're going to go over instinctual subtypes. And I am very excited for this because I feel like this is the next level of geeking out on the Enneagram. <laughs> and our, our listenership has gotten to hear about the basics of the Enneagram, deep into their types, wings, and that sort of thing. And now we're starting to get listener questions about subtypes. And of course, I'm over here in this camp of I'm a, I'm a geek, but I'm not an expert. So I'm going to have someone else come and join us for that. So I'm excited you're here for that. Yeah. Um, and I love some of the resources that you've kind of shared in the past on this subject, but I would love to know kind of how you came to the Enneagram and what, I mean, what you're doing with it now, because I just, I love everything that you share and I've been a fan since the very beginning of it. So Thank you so much. That's like so nice of you to say. Um, so yeah, I have, my name's Ashton. I'm Enneagram Ashton on Instagram. And I came into it because I have a background in psychology. And so that's kind of how um, it came to be for me. I have always been interested in personality tests. I tell this story all the time when I'm doing workshops and things like that, but I can remember being as young as like 10 years old and my mom taking me to Borders bookstore and walking straight to like the self-help section. I've always been super interested in personality tests and things like that. And so, you know, I, I went through school in my schooling thinking that the personality tests that were out there were really like Myers-Briggs, you know, those personality tests that are so focused on who you are. And it was while I was in grad school that I learned about the Enneagram and I just became obsessed because finally there was something that was able to be used as a tool for self-growth as well as not just to tell you like these are the qualities of you but this is what you should do with that information now mm -hmm. and it's the motivations behind the behaviors and not just the behaviors themselves i love that i so, actually, yeah i mean i feel like well i know actually the enneagram sent me to therapy <laughs> yeah me too. <laughs> moment where I was like, oh, I've got, I've got a lot of work to do. Okay. We've got yeah. some things to work on here. I, I love that. Um, you know, that's the, the picture I think that gets painted for so many people when they hop into the Enneagram and start to dive a little bit deeper from other kind of personality assessments. You know, there's so many great ones out there. We've talked about them on the podcast in the past, but, um, you know, this one, you know, it, it tells you like now you're, now it's your responsibility to grow or you're going right. to stay right where you're at right now. And, you know, personally for me, like I want to show up in my relationships better. I want to be a better leader, a better boss, a better friend. And, and this has helped me do that so much. So, yeah. It's, so you're it, a type two, right? I am. Yeah. I'm a type two. And it was, I had one of those experiences that a lot of people talk about where, they read through it and it's like a punch in the gut. Mm -hmm. And so there was really like no doubt in me that I was a two. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but what I always thought that I was much more helpful than I actually am. <laughs> and so um, like my, some of my family members, AKA my eight sister never believes that I'm actually a two, but you know, like she doesn't know the motivations behind why I'm doing mm -hmm. things. 
Um, and so, yeah, it's just been this like path of recognizing and having that those like realizations that like, oh shoot, I am doing things for a specific reason and I don't, you know, want to be in those healthy states or like identify with those unhealthy qualities. So mm. it is a tool for self-growth and just a really amazing way to to see other people's views on life and how they yeah. view the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, twos and eights have that connection, right? In growth and stress, but in opposite yeah. directions. So I think a lot of times, you know, we can kind of look like one another, you know, if we're if we're acting in that place of either you know, kind of health or unhealth or growth or stress. And, um, I have, uh, I have very, I I have one friend who's a two that I'm very close with, and that is Genevieve who does this podcast with me. (laughs) Um, and I, you know, for the most part, I, I I don't, uh, see myself surrounded by those people and I'm guessing it's because they offer help and I refuse it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I try to do everything myself. But yeah, it's really interesting. And it's so funny that you said that your sister, who's an eight, tried to tell you that you weren't a two or yeah. you're a two. And I'm like, I think I'm a three. it's a very eight thing to do. You're just a very motivated three. And I'm a, I have a very strong three wing. And so like, yeah. I can definitely see um, why she says that, but I don't have the follow through of a three. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> That's sister. the difference. Yeah. Eight, I don't have the follow through of a three. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, how did, I mean, you talked about how you, you know, you kind of read through what your type was and it just yeah. looked like this huge gut punch. I think that's really true for a lot of twos because mm-hmm. it feels like a lot of criticism and that's so hard. Uh, yeah. My understanding, and this is kind of what Genevieve has shared with us on the podcast too. Um, but what would, what were some of those early resources that were really transformative for you? Books, podcasts, things like that, that you loved? Yeah, so like so many, I I re- immediately read um, The Road Back to You yeah. by um, Ian Morgan Crone and Suzanne Stabile. And I started just um, becoming obsessed with like researching it. And the Instagram accounts like weren't really that much of a thing when this started happening. Mm-hmm. I think Enneagram and Coffee was created but I was learning things and I was trying to talk to like my family members and my um, partner who's not my husband at the time. And that, you know, it was like, it's, it's like a foreign language, right? So it's like going over their heads and they're looking at me like I have a third eyeball in the middle of my forehead. <laughs> and so I, that's initially why I started creating my Instagram account. Cause I was like, I'm just going to share the things that I'm learning about. And, you know, maybe people will follow me. Maybe they won't. I'm not sure. But like nobody in my immediate world is taking me seriously. So, um, I did that and then it just blew up from there. And I remember coming home and saying to my husband, like a week after we got married, I was like, I guess I'm becoming a coach because (laughs) people kept asking me to like help them figure out their type or help them on this journey. And I was like, well, I guess I'm getting certified. So so that's what happened there. I think that's such a beautiful journey into finding like that niche space for your personal path and career. I think so many of the moves that I see, I see myself making over the years and then friends is, you know, you start to share about something that has been impactful for you, whatever it may be. Maybe it's health and wellness. Maybe it's the Enneagram. 
maybe it's therapy, who knows what it is. And, right. and, and people start to ask you, you know, for advice, cause you're sharing what, what's worked for you, what you've done, what's impacted, been impactful for you. And so that return from the universe to say, Hey, we need to hear this from you. It's yeah. so fun to just kind of lean into that. It can be super scary too. Cause you're like, well, I didn't plan on this every day. So- all day. <laughs> Or two, I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I'm just thinking about if, as far from like a content creation. So many of our podcast listeners are business owners. We create content. We do health and wellness coaching, that kind of thing. And it's so interesting to kind of think about how you know, for a lot of folks, the content they're putting out is maybe you know one recipe a week or one Instagram post a day, and you are like up to nine any given day. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that as far as yeah. goes. it's a lot. And, and the community, you know, being up in arms when you release something for, for a one first or for a nine first or, for, you know, I'm so glad that you are aware that that happens to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, I just think it, I, so much of like putting myself in, in your shoes in your position and being like, <laughs> you're going to post something that's of so much quality for one type and then the other types are going to be like, where's mine? And you're like, just hold the phone. Okay. Yeah. Calm down. I have a life. I have other things. To do. <laughs> it's really, it's been really interesting to watch as all these different Enneagram uh, accounts have grown. And yeah. I think that the massive, I mean, it's just been huge and your growth has been so, so big. You were one of the first accounts I followed a wow. long time ago. That's cool. Um, I don't, when did you start Enneagram Ashton and like actually um, make it official? January of last year. Well, yeah. I, I started my Instagram as Enneagram Joy. Okay. And then I like rebranded it as my name over the right. summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think I was following it as Enneagram Joy, but I didn't really, I love that you changed it because I didn't yeah. attach you to it until that moment. It was my friend talked me into it. Good. They feel kind of separate in my mind because I was like, was it called something different? It totally was. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's when the like Instagram growth took off. Mm -hmm. When I like changed it to my name, I started showing my face more on my stories and things like that. And I mean, you know, that's everything. That's how it works. Yeah. People want to see a person. So yeah. And so many. Here I am. (laughs) Here I am world. Here I am world. So many of those um, Enneagram accounts are coming from a space where, you know, they're just sharing, you know, obviously gorgeous artwork and really helpful information and stuff, but they don't show themselves. And I think lesson to every, all you influencers who are listening to this, you've got to show your face. Show your face and show show your your personality. Yeah. I sometimes feel like I get more like DMs when I post about like stupid stuff. Like yesterday I was, I posted about my husband's t-shirt collection and how I'm just going to start like pulling them away and throwing them out. And the amount of DMs I got that apparently people can relate to that kind of, that's the kind of content I'm here for. Well, and it's so (laughs) funny because I think that's true for so many of us who are in that space of creating content because we are which I, I hate saying creating content, by the way. I know. What you people mean, who yeah. don't create content have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. People who post on Instagram as a business. Let's just say yeah. that. As part of part of their business. And so it's really funny. I feel the same way. I think we kind of all do is that I'll share about like health and wellness. I'll share about clean beauty. And then the moment I complain about my husband's hat collection. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's the same thing. I did that the other day and I got more DMs than I had gotten in forever. And so you have those moments where you're like, is anybody listening? Yeah. Listening to the things that I'm putting out here every single day. Yep. Totally nope. Relatable. I just want to know about these weird, odd details of my life. And they probably <laughs> do. And a podcast is such a great space for that. And you just started a podcast really recently. Yeah. My sister and I are doing it together. I so love the name. Fun. Yeah. It's called hey, Say hey, Anything. Hey, so good. That was all her. And she loves pop culture. I love the Enneagram. And so we just merged the two together. And she's you know, being forced to watch shows that she hates and I'm being forced to watch shows that I hate. So she's an eight. So we're very different and it shows on the podcast. <laughs> I saw the, um, uh, I haven't listened to the episode yet, but the one that was about Joel Goldberg from you being yeah. <laughs> an, an unhealthy four. I yeah. was like, oh, he is. And then I thought <laughs> to myself, is he an unhealthy sexual four? That, mm, I don't know. So, yeah. Well, let's dig into subtypes. I'm so excited to talk about this today. Yeah. I love, you know, there was a, a post that you shared a long while back about kind of what springs people into these subtypes and what are, what are their, each Enneagram type and their passion and how does that kind of relate to subtypes? And I just thought that was so interesting because of, you know, what we all struggle with is so different, even though, like you said, we might all act in a similar way. We're going to do that for very different reasons. And, right. and I, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, if you're not sure of your type, go look at the subtypes and see how you feel there. What's your advice there? If you're having trouble figuring out your type, would you recommend looking at subtypes? Absolutely. It's, it's honestly like the thing that I always end my typing interviews with because it can just be so helpful for people because the subtypes just show you just how different each type is. And so essentially it's turning the nine types into 27. Mm -hmm. And so while that sounds like probably really complicated because we haven't um, talked about it yet, but it, you know, is essentially saying that there are these, um, you know, types that you could be that sometimes might look completely different than the stereotypical type that you might have heard about or you might see all over Instagram. And so it's definitely important if you're struggling to figure out your type to look here because it might just make a lot of sense to you. Awesome. Okay. Well, what are the subtypes? And tell us more on how we can dig in a little bit more if we're wondering where we Yeah. Can. So the subtypes are essentially each type, each Enneagram type has a passion or a weakness. And I'll go through um, all of those, but it's typically a passion or a weakness that each type is known for. And so you take the passion with the three instincts and that's how you get the subtype. So the three instincts are self-preservation, social and one-to-one -one or sometimes referred to as sexual. And so self-preservation is saying that we all have this um, instinct to like preserve our resources first. And so we'll focus on our own physical safety, our own well-being, um, our own resources before anything else. 
for the one-to-one or the sexual, that's saying that we have this drive to project ourselves into an environment through intimate relationships, um, intense experiences, and seeking out opportunities. And so it's focusing on that before anything else. And then social is we have this um, need for belonging, or we have this um, instinct to get along with others and to secure like bonds between other people. And so I always say like self-preservation is I'm focusing on my own resources. For social, it's focusing on like a group or be- belonging in a group. And then one-to-one is like the intimate, intense relationships. A lot of people get confused with one-to-one because they think that it automatically means like partners or a sexual nature, but that's not the case at all. It's just that intimate um, one-on-one like relationship. Oh my gosh. I um, I kind of, I had trouble actually figuring out which, like I knew my type right away, but I had trouble figuring out which subtype I was mm-hmm. um, between self-preservation and one-to-one. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, can you move to and have different subtypes throughout kind of the course of your life? Does it change? Yeah. So, you know, unlike your Enneagram type, which is yours from the beginning and does not change throughout your life, no matter life experiences, your subtype can change. Mm. And so, um, sometimes just like your wing can change. So sometimes like you might feel like I, I'm willing to bet. So I'm a self-preservation too. And so, which means that I focus on, making sure that my needs are met first before I help other people. I'm willing to bet that growing up, I would have been like a sexual too, Mm. a one-to-one too. But going through different life experiences and growth, I feel like I have moved to being a self-preservation. It's also like we all have these instincts, right? So it's not like we just don't have the social instinct or we don't have the self-preservation. It's just a matter of like ranking, like which one do we focus on first and foremost and where do the other ones fall into place? Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I can really definitely resonate with that. I, you know, as an eight, I moved to a five in, in stress mm-hmm. or, um, and I can see a lot of that self-preservation piece come out in me when I move toward a five because of those issues around just energy management, right? not having a full tank at all times. And so when I see that happening, I often kind of gravitate toward like, okay, what do I work through if I'm (laughs) acting like a self-preservation version of myself? And I see that. I see that kind of collecting, you know, material abundance and focusing on, on certain things and almost a like not obsessive, but you know, we don't really want to say that about ourselves, but maybe, um, but just kind of like really exuding, trying to exude control a lot in that space, which is kind of my natural dangerous space anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really interesting. Yeah. I feel like I've probably been in kind of different places and, and sometimes, you know, different roles can kind of put me in more of a social space or more of a self-preservation space, depending on where I fall into, you know, my role as either like a leader or, um, or a follower, or, you know, someone who's learning from someone else. So it's been an interesting kind of evolution through, I would say even just business, but yeah, life as well. So for I sure that. So tell us more about the like passions of each. Yeah. Life. 
So um, I'll just go straight through the type. Oh, so for one, their biggest passion is going to be anger. And so this kind of looks like anger because of the dissatisfaction with how things are. And so that turns, you know, it's typically like that self-critic. And um, so when you mix the anger with the three, the three instincts, then that gives you the three subtypes for the one. Twos, they struggle with pride. And so um, this looks like high or low self-esteem based on what they're doing for other people and then the reactions of those other people. So if they're getting the appreciation or if they're getting things back in return. The threes, they struggle with deceit. And so what deceit looks like for threes is like not actually being true to who they are because they're always only showing what they want other people to see about them. And also like being that chameleon type of person who just fits wherever they need to, to um, fit in with the people that they care about. Fours, their passion or weakness is envy. And so they are, I don't know if you know any fours, but they're constantly comparing <laughs> themselves to other people and they they honestly really feel like something is wrong with them and that they are defective. And so that's where that envy comes from. Um, I can never say this word correctly. Ever. <laughs> yeah. I always want to do a, I always want to do a long I. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. So fives, their biggest, their biggest struggle and their passion is avarice. And so this um, displays itself in this desire to guard themselves and guard their resources and really like protect their emotions and their feelings, which is why you might feel like fives don't necessarily identify with their feelings or emotions. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> Sixes, uh, their biggest weakness and their um, passion is fear. And so this, you know, is displayed in pretty much every piece of a six. This comes out as worry or anxiety, um, thinking about worst case scenarios, things like that. For sevens, their passion is gluttony. And so this is their um, need to experience new things, their need for like excess and things. And whether that be food, people, experiences, all of that. Eights, their passion and their weakness is lust. And so this is this displays itself as an excessiveness to avoid feelings of vulnerability and weakness. Nodding my head over here. Yeah, I was going to say you're nodding your head. <laughs> and then nines, which um, you may have heard, like the sloth. So the sloth of a nine is that passion or that weakness, but also called la just laziness. So it's an inability to act on their own needs, ideas, and their thoughts. So again, when you mix these passions with self-preservation, social, and then one-to-one -one or sexual, then that produces the subtype. That's fascinating. There's so, there's so many layers of the Enneagram. I feel like I've studied it for a couple of years and I still am in this space where I'm like, I don't know anything what's happening. Um, 
but I love that this kind of sends you into a, a deeper space of understanding that passion or weakness better because I don't, I don't feel like I really like saw that very much in myself until I understood that I was a social eight. So it was just an added layer of it that helped me just understand myself better and how to move through life better. Um, we have lots of work to do. This is pretty much what I learned. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, like as a two, I never would have been like, oh, I struggle with pride, right? Like that is so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But I, but I always say the Enneagram is not meant to be this comfy, cozy, like warm and soothing thing. It's supposed (laughs) to make you feel (laughs) uncomfortable because that's when the true change comes and the true growth when you're like, oh, wow, I don't like these things about me. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I thought, um, you know, as the, as like the social cause person, I really resonated with that as a social eight. Mm. Um, but the thing I think that frustrated me is that I tend to like have a social cause and then I kind of, those take precedence over my own personal needs. And I like to think that, you know, I'm an eight, I'm good at advocating for other people. Why can't I be good at advocating for myself? And I think this added layer kind of, um, it's a window into the fact that I think I have a little bit harder time with that than folks who are maybe a self-preservation eight um, or a one-to-one eight. And so that was a big, big realization for me personally. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's super accurate. And, you know, social eights look a lot like twos. Mm -hmm. And so twos often are struggling with that very thing that you just said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to be a two when I read. I was like, I would love to be a two. And then I saw the motivation and I was like, no, I don't want to. No, I don't. Never mind. (laughs) You know, people always ask me like, what type do you want to be? And I always feel like I want to be a nine, but Mm. then I realize that like, they feel like their opinions don't matter. Oh, it's crushing. Yeah. And I don't know if I want that. Yeah, I, but I do wish I could like stick up for myself a little bit more than I can. Mm-hmm. But part of that is probably because I grew up with an eight sister who just stood up for me my entire life. So I didn't really need to develop those skills. I know we go into like mama bear mode. <laughs> yeah, at, like the age of five, like say anything to my family member and I will cut you. Right. <laughs> She's That's like, I can talk shit to her, but no five. one else can. Oh, that's so funny. I, yeah, I definitely, I feel that I have, um, like I said, I don't, I think I only have one or two friends who are twos and that's something that they said to in their sibling relationships had, had a similar thing, whether that person who was their sibling was, um, a little more direct because they were an eight or a three and were able to kind of step into that a little bit of that protection space. It's really, yeah. Um, so we kind of talked about this. So like I'm the counter type for an eight. Uh, and that is a social eight. So I, I can look a little bit different than, you know, what most people would assume an eight is. And when I learned I was an, an eight, I had a few people say like, yeah, I see that in you. But I feel like a lot of the like things that kind of rub people the wrong way about eights, like you don't necessarily have about you. Um, and you're a little softer and, and, and all of that. And I think that's the nine wing too, but it's also 
um, you know, the subtype piece. And so I dug into this because I thought that was a really interesting observation that I had gotten from multiple people. And it felt like a compliment because sometimes when you find out you're an eight, you feel like you should probably just like, I don't know, quit, <laughs> quit. <life. laughs> you know, it's one of those difficult ones to, I think every type, right. It's difficult for you to, to find out and kind of wade through the, the critical pieces, the self-criticism that come with it. Um, and, or, you know, finding and excusing behavior that you're like, Oh, that makes sense now why I do that. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a tough one for me to come up against for sure. And finding out I was a socially kind of, it made more, much more sense to me. So yeah. yeah so let's dig into counter types. Yeah, sure. So the counter types <laughs> are when, um, it's not the traditional type that you might be thinking of. So say you figure out that, or you think that you're a three, but you're looking at the memes and all the things on Instagram <laughs> and things just aren't like lining up or you're like, I know how to put my work away. You know, like I know how to say no to things. Um, that might mean that you're a self-preservation three, which is the counter type. And so when we're talking about counter types, it is the instinct that and the subtype that looks opposite than the stereotype. So, for example, the uh, countertype for a one is going to be the one to one or the sexual. Mm. So they're not going to look like your traditional one. They're going to be um, their criticism is is going to be more um, towards like themselves and it's it's not going to be more of like a self-critic or it's not going to be sorry it's not going to be more of like a critic or a judgment on somebody else mm. they're going to be more like anxious and worried mm. if you're not aligning with the type like don't just assume that it's because of your subtype make sure you're like doing the research and seeing if you're not just mistyping yourself. And so it might fit with the subtype, but it also might just be that you're mistyping. And so it's important to do the research because the Enneagram is a complex tool that people need to study and not just to take a test and figure out their type. Sorry, I just felt like I needed to like throw that in there. I'm going to eight you right now and tell you you have nothing to apologize for. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I love that extra, extra. <laughs> I, am a, I am an apologizer. I almost said a sorrier. I am a sorrier. I feel like that should be a thing. A I know, a sorrier. And that's a two. It's such a two thing. It's I a know. Nine thing as well. I am constantly, of course, as an eight, telling people to stop apologizing and most certainly don't apologize to me. Like, <laughs> You don't have to apologize for anything. Yeah. So the two <laughs> subtype is the self-preservation. So I am also a subtype or I'm also a countertype. Um, so this just means that we're not going to look like traditional twos, meaning that I am going to put my needs ahead of somebody else's. And so my family members always think that I am a three because I have a very strong three wing and I might not, you know, be as helpful as some of the things you, that you see on Instagram. Um, and so sometimes these types, the, the twos that are self-preservation, they can sometimes look like sevens. And so mm. 
you know, we had talked um, earlier about being comp- me being confident in my type, but there are some times when I feel like I do like to explore new things and like I get bored easily. And so it's always interesting when they can pick up on other types. Hmm. The three, their counter type is going to be the self-preservation as well. And so they are going to um, be more reliable and more efficient and they almost like look like one. So they're going to be like making sure that they're doing the right thing. They don't like talking about their accomplishments. So it's going to, that's how it looks different than like your traditional. That's really interesting because the three you think, I mean, they're still out there accomplishing, but they just don't want to talk about it. Right. That's so, that's so interesting. Yeah. So the fours, they are also, the counter type is also the self-preservation. And so they are in a similar way. They are um, not going to talk about like their pain and suffering. They are going to like keep their emotions to themselves. Whereas like typical fours, stereotypical fours like to, you know, talk about the drama and the things that they're experiencing and feeling and the sadness, whereas the counter type is going to want to keep it to themselves. Oh, so all three are self, two, three, four, and they're yeah, all three, feeling, feeling types, right? Who are heart centered. Yeah. That is, that's really interesting. I know I was trying to pick up on the pattern, but I can't, fig- I can't figure it out because it is kind of like, well, it doesn't line up for the other types, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Some of them, um, well, no, it doesn't. (laughs) If for a minute I thought that it did for the, the, um, you're fine. I'm going to mark this right now. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. No, you don't have to apologize. You're fine. We have, I'm just just glad you're marking it as I was like earlier, like, I marked that one too. It's okay. Cool. I saw you doing it. I was like, thank God. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, I think it's really sounds smart. (laughs) <laughs> Gladly. Right, mark that, mark that. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah. She'll, she'll edit all this out. No worries. Yeah. So I, you know, it's interesting that that doesn't apply to the other, um, kind of, um, what is that called? Your thinking, feeling. The triads. The triads. The yeah. Centers, yeah. Yeah. So that was, I thought that was really interesting that it, that it was super related and it all kind of felt to be stemmed by feelings too. Yeah, it totally is. It definitely is. And so I wonder, I mean, I would assume that that's why or that's related, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah. So the self-preservation folks in the, in the heart triad are going to look different than your other. Yeah. Super interesting. Okay. So five, what's the count? So fives, theirs is, and this makes so much sense if you think about it, but their counter type is the one-to-one or the sexual. And so they don't mind like sharing their emotions with, um, like one person or two people or somebody who like they have an intimate relationship with or like a strong bond with that person. Mm. Wow. And that's, I mean, what's that, what is that one called? If you're Cause there's yeah, a, that's, there's a name, that's the right? confidant. I guess I should be saying all the names. No, no, I think you're fine. I think, uh, I think sometimes we miss the mark a little bit when we label this stuff, yeah, but point. I thought, I thought that was really interesting just in relation to a five, mm-hmm. just like you said this, I mean, each one of these I find, um, very compelling because they are so different from the stereotypes that you would assume 
about that. And I've got a couple of friends, a couple of friends who are fives and we are very, very close Mm -hmm. and they are one-to-one subtypes is what they've figured out on their own and kind of reported back to me. And I was like, yep, that makes perfect sense. Wow. Resonates for me because I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm a social aid. I have a lot of friendships, um, but very few of them are extremely close and a couple, two of those very extremely close friendships are with fives, which is really interesting to me. That is super interesting. Yeah. So the six, this is like my favorite one to talk about, is the one-to-one, the sexual. And this is because this subtype of a six is called intimidation. And they look like an eight. So like people who have the, um, you know, core motivation of needing to have safety and security, but they're sometimes like able to display some of those behaviors that are well known about AIDS, like the assertiveness, um, you know, the outgoing, the protective, like that's going to be your counter type of a six which is your one-to-one. And so these are the sixes who, instead of like withdrawing because they're afraid, when you mix the fear with their subtype, they're like going after it. So I always think with the sixes about like the, um, the fight, flee, wait, fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. The fight or flight. flight. They got the fight. While as the other sixes are going to flight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I, it sounds like they have like a lot of like willpower Mm -hmm. and they're more brave. Yeah. It sounds like an eight. You're totally right. It sounds like an eight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. The seven. So the social seven is going to be your sub or your counter type for the seven. Okay. And they often look like twos. And so they, yeah, I see your face. You're like like, very perplexed right now by that. (laughs) So they take that gluttony, you know, that, um, that weakness and they mix it with the social subtype. And so it's with like their friendships, their friend groups. So they're sacrificing their own needs to serve other people. Ooh, okay. I think I might know one of these. (laughs) <laughs> getting a lot of like pings about the friends in my life yeah maybe I just, maybe I just surround myself with counter types because I'm a counter <laughs> that's a good point oh I love seeing people who like don't fit them I love people who don't fit the mold right I'm a lover of the underdog all of that kind of stuff so I think it's it's, it's fun it's fun I like being different it's okay so all you yeah, subtypes if you feel real different and like some of your Enneagram stuff just doesn't relate like I got you I'm gonna celebrate you yeah <laughs> Me too. Just don't, you know, post that my post is wrong. <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what the people do to oh, me. I try and I'm like, it. you're not going to fit into every single thing that I post. You know, like I don't oh, fit no. into every single thing that I post. But you know what? I think that's a really interesting thing too. I would like to know the types that post that respond back to that. And I'm sure every single type does in some way. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, for me, I'm like, of course not everything is about you. Like, you know, you, not, not everything's going to apply. I mean, you said you've been following me for a long time, but were yeah. you there during the t-shirt gate? That's what I like to call it. When I, I don't created the six t-shirt and then they, everyone flipped out and <laughs> it was like what a whole thing. What did it say? Do you remember? It had the word anxious on it. Oh, okay. Which like, okay, I totally get it. Like they don't like to be labeled as anxious. The stigma. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, obviously my heart was in a good place and I changed it immediately, but it was like social media is funny. They were feeling anxious about you labeling. They were feeling anxious about the t-shirt that I picked for them. Yeah. I can, anyways, a lot of, a lot of judgment passed when it comes to creating this kind of stuff because the Enneagram is so personal. Mm -hmm. And when we find that identification with self and, and more self-understanding, we finally feel seen when someone puts something out there that makes us feel not seen. We're like, Hey, and we get our guard up about it. Um, I bet eights are the worst with this kind of stuff <laughs> just because eights often are the worst. I'm just, I can say that cause I'm an eight. Um, <laughs> but, uh, they definitely yeah. are not quiet about their opinions. Oh, I will say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically why we have a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. And <laughs> here we are. Okay, it's gotten so, so much better with the criticism, like so much better. Cause as a two at first it would wreck me. Yeah, yeah. I feel. But like now it. I just see the DMS come in and I'm just like, delete. <laughs> I'm much better at just deleting and not, and not responding. Whereas my sister's like, let me at him. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's like, I will now handle your communications and yeah. I'll tell everyone to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, so we have eight yes. and nine left. Okay, so eight is you, right? And so the, yeah, the counter type for eight is called solidarity. And so again, they can, what's the social um, subtype for the eights? And so they can look like a two. Okay. So they are going to use that power in the service of others. So they're going to use that power and that influence that they have and help others. And, and yeah, they're super, you know, like into protecting the underdog and just making sure that other people have their needs met. Yeah. I feel that. I, um, <laughs> I've had a lot of therapy around, um, not having to protect and literally physically and financially take care of everybody in my life that I love. <laughs> my therapist is like, that's not your responsibility. They're a grown person. And I'm like, well, who's going to do it? But me, it's really yeah. it's so funny. And I feel that I feel that with my beauty counter team. I feel that just so deeply ingrained in me. And so sometimes I wish, you know, we all like grass is greener, right? I always right. wish like, why can't I enact that power to like take care of my freaking self? And that it, it's, it's endlessly frustrating within that. And sometimes I found, you know, it's really interesting. Like James Clear wrote this great book on atomic habits is what he calls it. And, uh, he talks about, uh, just kind of how to form habits and, yeah. and, you know, I always think of these types that are, um, you know, just kind of put self aside for others in whatever way that looks like for them. And there are a few, right. That do that. Yeah. And I find it really interesting to think about how we, um, establish and find identity in the things that we do for ourselves. And, and that's where we tend to make actual lasting changes when we're finding identity in what we do. And, uh, you know, the identity piece for me with this whole like social cause thing, some of the things that I need to do for myself, I need to relate to the group. You know, mm -hmm. I need to be like, okay, yeah. I am doing the going to the gym, not for me. It totally is for me, by the way. But I have to think about identity wise, <laughs> like I'm showing up to protect my son to go to the, that's how far I have to go with it in my mind. I'm protecting my kid because I'm taking care of myself which means I were financially stable. I can take care of it. You know, all those things I'm healthy, yeah. you know, it's, it's that piece of it. So I know a lot of us folks who are kind of in that self forgetting space, but especially me as someone who I feel, you know, identifies as being a powerful and confident person to be mm -hmm. 
to be someone who struggles with that piece sometimes feels like it just makes no sense and I get so frustrated. But the subtype thing, I mean, it kind of, it really brings it into perspective for me. Yeah. I just, I just love it so much. And it just helps people even better understand yep. one another, right? Yeah. Which is what I, that's my favorite part about the Enneagram for well, sure. me too. <laughs> but I totally agree. We we probably like it in that way for different reasons. <laughs> right, right. So for nine, um, last last but certainly not least ever, even if I post them last, um, <laughs> their counter type is going to be social. Okay. And so this looks different than your typical nine because they are, you know, putting their own issues aside and focusing on maintaining like a group's happiness or like their friend's happiness and things like that. Um, they take comfort in like being a part of a group and belonging into a community. Mm-hmm. This is my husband. He's a social <laughs> a social nine. And we've had, we actually, um, the last couple episodes of the podcast, we did, uh, Enneagram and relationships, not from like, I, which I know we're going to talk about here in a minute, but (laughs) I know, um, you know, not from an expert perspective, but just like, a this is how the experience has really transformed our, our communication in the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, it's been pretty amazing, but this is really interesting because one of the things that I always say to him when he is like trying to avoid conflict in a group because he's very like social and he identifies with this kind of priorities for the group over priorities for self. Mm -hmm. And he often will make a move that like is avoiding conflict in a group and doing what they need, but choosing conflict with me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, mm -mm, this is not how this works. Like, why can't you be a one-to-one nine? That would serve you so well. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I know. I, yeah. I love talking about those different connections. It's oh, so it's so interesting. It's so, so interesting. And also thinking about too, like if you have, you know, if I'm an eight wing nine and I'm a social eight, like how does that look in kind of translation to being a social nine? Is that a thing? Like who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun to kind of take it down all these a thousand different rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many layers. Like, okay. So earlier. for those listening, we're not going to dig into every single subtype of every type. So I'll point you toward a couple of resources where you can really dig into that deeper, but we just don't have the time to like read you basically like a chapter from a book right now (laughs) Um, and would love to be able to discuss some other things. So we kind of already talked about how, um, you know, you, if you can't figure out your type, you can look at your subtype. Obviously there are other routes to go. Um, Mm -hmm. what are some other things you would suggest if people are having trouble typing? I mean, a lot of, um, Enneagram experts out there have varying opinions on taking tests and, um, what, what would you offer up when folks are kind of struggling in that space? And I know you offer consultations too, right? To help people do typing. Yeah. So I do like typing interviews with folks. So, it's essentially like I send them a test, they send me the results and then we go over them together. And then I create interview questions based on folks' top results. And so it just looks like kind of what you and I are doing today. It's just Mm -hmm. a conversation, which is so nice. And I have the ability then to ask um, like clarifying questions instead of just like, you know, how it is on when you take tests. And so I, I have to be honest, so my opinions on tests are that it's a great place to start, but most of the time they're inaccurate. Mm-hmm. I could probably count on one hand the amount of people I've worked with who were actually 
the top number of the test that they took. Um, usually, like even yes, just yesterday, I had someone who ended on like the fourth highest score for their type. So and that's been super interesting because it really like, you know, it's all motivation based. And so the tests do a really great job of asking about behavior, mm-hmm. but not necessarily motivation. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think a piece of it too is, you know, if you've already read about the types, you might kind of lean toward you know, bias. Who you want to be. Uh (laughs) So I actually, I didn't, I never took a test. I actually bought the ready test, like the $12 Mm -hmm. ready test. And, um, and then read a book at a friend's house and not read a book, but read like the chapter that had the list of statements under each type. And I knew I was an eight immediately. And so I just gifted that test to to my friend and, and was like, Hey, just take this, use my email login or whatever. (laughs) Um, but yeah. I definitely, I mean, that's kind of the camp I'm in. I think the, I think the hard part is that people just want to know immediately. Like they just want to take a test and know. It was the same way when I was working in, you know, I had my clinical nutrition practice. It was like, well, just tell me, like, do I have this, you know, gut issue? Just do a test. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Right. People don't right. want to do the work. Um, people, yeah, we're humans and especially Americans. Like we want quick fixes to things. Yeah. And so people think they can take this test and in 10 minutes, they'll figure out their Enneagram type and mm-hmm. voila, you know? And then unfortunately, a lot of people just sit with that information when the point and the purpose of the Enneagram is to dig deeper and really yeah. see how it can strengthen your relationships and even your relationship with yourself and how you function in, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. How do you see, like, I mean, this is such a a many layered question, so answer it however you would like to. (laughs) Um, But how do you see, like, the Enneagram impacting, like, your personal relationships as a two? Like, how has that been for you? And I know you have a book upcoming, which tell us about that. I'm sure that was born out of your own transformations and your own relationships. So Yeah. So I use the Enneagram in like every facet of my life. Um, I do a lot of different things besides my Enneagram stuff. So I'm also a college professor. And so I use it with my students all the time. Um, On the first day, the first week of class this semester, like I had them take a test and read through the types, again, just as a way to start, I said, if you're interested in this, keep going. Like, don't just take this test and, and end there. And and they came in the next day and told me, like, the, the type that they thought that they were after reading through everything. And that's just been so helpful for me to see them and, and to understand how to interact with my students, as well as my husband is a, um, is a six. And so, the six and the two, he is super prepared. I am super not prepared 90% of the time. And so it's just really, you know, we're newlyweds. And so it's been, um, the Enneagram has been with us like since we were like engaged. And so, yeah, so it's been super helpful just to navigate, um, you know, our marriage and our relationship and me understanding like how he views the world and why he does the things that he does or says the things that he does, you know, and it's just been, yeah, I mean, that's my favorite part about the Enneagram is using it to strengthen relationships and friendships and things like that. And it's just amazing. Yeah. I think it gives you, at least for me, I feel like it's given me permission to look at the way people do things 
or what they do and why they do it, those motivations from a more objective perspective mm-hmm. and not take things so personally. Um, you know, and as an eight, I generally don't take a lot of stuff personally, but in my personal close relationships, I do. And so that's been a really interesting thing to think, you know, oh, my husband isn't, um, avoiding this argument with me because, you know, he has a different take or doesn't want to like show up in it with me. It's the, he literally can't handle it because he hates conflict. Yeah. (laughs) So, and it's just given us like a whole, like, just like you said, it feels like you're learning a completely new language. So to be able to kind of track that into your relationship and have this new way to communicate has been really helpful. And I often have, I often find myself being like, okay, Cassie, the Enneagram is not this, like, I'm not, it's not my idol. It's not this, you know, it's the only kind of path, the only tool, but damn, it is just so useful. Right. Extremely useful in a way that no other, you know, love languages or birth order or, you know, Myers-Briggs or um, four tendencies or anything like that has been you know, as impactful in this way. So it's been so huge for our relationship personally, especially for an eight, nine, who's like totally cool with conflict. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's my favorite. One of my favorite relationships to talk about. I have, I have tons of nines in my life. I just, I go to my sister. I don't know what it is. I really gravitate toward them. And, you know, we're in a different sort of position because my husband and I have been together for 17 years. So we got, we got married when we were babies and have been together for 17 years. And I think married for, it'll be 15 this year. And uh, so almost 18 years together. And so we really did a lot of growing up together and went through some, you know, our own stuff and trauma and came out of it. And gosh, we're just sitting here like, damn, we should have had the Enneagram when we got married, (laughs) but it just wasn't talked about probably as much back then. And even in our church community, it wasn't talked about as much, which is so big um, in so many churches. And, you know, Portland, Oregon is such a progressive place out here. I'm I'm kind of surprised that that wasn't, you know, an added layer to it. So, but I'm glad I have it now. I feel like things are just going to keep getting better. Keep Yeah. Yeah. And it's about putting in the work. You know, and it sounds like work. you're do. I know it sounds like you're doing that, and you know, it's all you can do is keep doing. Well, I appreciate the vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Tell us more about. I mean, you've got an upcoming book. Tell us about. Yeah. What about and my what book. My is called the Enneagram for Relationships, and so it's all about how to strengthen your relationships romantically with friendships, with colleagues, and then with family members. So. Um, all four areas of relationships. And it comes out on March 31st. So it was kind of born from this place of I've seen this work in relationships that I've, you know, been in and I've experienced some of this. And I wanted to like share that with the world and, you know, help other people be able to strengthen their relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really excited for it. So <laughs> when this you. episode when this episode airs, you guys, it'll be about two weeks until the book comes out. Cool. So um, make sure you go grab it on pre-sale. Yes. I already did. Very excited. <gasps> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, one of the things, this is, I'm just going to step into my eightness and just advocate for you right now. Um, 
you know, one of the things that people don't know is that a pre-sale of the book actually really determines how well it does as far as sales go in the future. It's quite a picture for, yeah. for publishers. And obviously, I don't know if you're self-publishing or you have a publisher, but it, it's, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And if you know you're going to buy it anyway, just do the damn pre-sale. Okay. So do it. So I'll put I the know. link. I'll put the link in the show notes for you guys to grab her book and um, tell us else like how tell us all how we can work with you because I know so many people we literally have been studying the Enneagram and sharing it on the podcast every single episode for about I don't know eight episodes now nine episodes wow um, and cool. we don't have an Enneagram podcast <laughs> so uh, you know we talk a lot about personal development and the Enneagram has been sprinkled in for the last year or so. But, um, you know, we finally did a deep dive because our community asked for it. And so, you know, we're kind of in this place where I think a lot of people are figuring out their type or having trouble doing that and need some handholding, some help and some resources. So um, yeah. tell us how folks can work with you. Absolutely. So my website is just enneagramashton.com and I have coaching services on there. And I think people are like, intimidated by the word coaching. And it really is like, I agree a hundred percent. Um, I just haven't figured out like a comfortable word for that yet, but it really is just me guiding you through all of the knowledge about your specific Enneagram type, whether it's, you know, talking about childhood wounds or how you might have, um, been as a child your relationships with your family members, with your the people that you're close to, how you respond in stress, ways that you can strengthen that uh, growth development and things like that. And so um, it's just an amazing experience for a lot of people. I always say like, I always work myself out of not having clients because my goal is that I work with you so that you, and then I set you free. So like I work with you and then you feel comfortable to go out and do the work on your own. Yeah, you need and then to I also do the yeah, and then I also do the typing interviews um, when people, you know, need a little assistance helping their helping find their type. So it's a lot of fun. I just love you know having conversations with people. Yeah. Do you do team team stuff or events? I do. Yeah, I do workshops and speaking events. Um, I do a lot of businesses where it's like team building for mm -hmm. coworkers and things like that. So yep. wheels I do are turning. A bit over of here. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do a lot. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and coming on the podcast. It's been a really lovely conversation and. And I can't wait for your book. I'm very excited yeah. to check it out. I'm always wanting more resources on how to improve my relationships and show up better as an eight. It's a struggle sometimes. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, and I think, you know, obviously we all struggle with that. So right. appreciate you, Ashton. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. So good. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.